when he asks that. Um, but also I, I felt to witness um, as soon as he asked me to do so. And so I just want to um, take a few moments, be obedient to the Holy Ghost. I, I was thinking today as, as I was thinking about what I'm going to talk about, I was remembering back to, to some of my time at CLC, um, which was where I went to college, for those of you who don't know, down in Stockton um, at, at the Haney's Church and, and the college that um, has been there for years. And um, Brother Tony Bailey, who many of you may know, um, he, was, he was a professor there for my first couple of years. And um, many of you have probably heard of at least him be, because of his books, um, The Four Dimensions of Prayer and The Nautical Hour are some of his books that he's written. Um, he's a close friend of, of bishops, and, um, and he, would minister, he would minister quite a bit there as well on Sundays and Wednesday nights, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that every single time that he ministered, he talked about prayer, <laughs> and that's just kind of, that's really what Brother Bailey's known for is, is prayer. That's what his books are about. Um, that's what his life has been about. Um, he, he, one of my close friends was his assistant at the college, and they were really close. And he told them that I think it was like 30 years he he's gotten up at 4:30 <laughs> in the morning every day to pray for 30 years without missing a day. <laughs> um, but I say all that to say I I feel like every time he would minister and he would start. Oftentimes, he would talk about early morning prayer. That's, that's also one of his things he's known for. And he would, say, he would say, well, the Lord's having me talk about this again, so I guess some of you still aren't doing it. <laughs> and uh, I use that example because it's Brother Bailey, <laughs> and so it's safe. Um, and I'm not going to talk about early morning prayer tonight so you can relax <laughs> but I am going to talk about prayer and I think um, I think the Lord wants to I think the Lord wants to move us beyond where we are uh, individually and really the only way to do that spiritually to do that in the spirit is is with prayer there's a lot of there's a lot of ideas out there, a lot of a lot of religions, a lot of you know, a lot of inspirational preaching, <laughs> and um, a lot of it is about fast tracking to you know prosperity, fast tracking to your best life now, and all those kind of you know taglines, and um, but none of those things really, none of those things are of any value or any benefit in the spirit without prayer. Um, prayer is the key. Amen. So let, let's look at a scripture, and I just have a couple tonight quickly. Um, Matthew 17 and verse 14. How many of you want to go, go deeper? with the Lord. Amen. All right, this is for you then. Matthew 17 and verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. And sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire, and often into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. <laughs> he didn't hold back any. <laughs> he told it straight, told it how it is. 
So faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And watch this. Jesus reveals the reason for this young boy's lunacy. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. But he reveals the reason for this young boy's struggle, his turmoil, his, his vexation of his, his spirit and his soul. Because Jesus, he rebuked the devil that was in this boy. He rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Amen. Verse 19, then the disciples got a little curious and they came... Uh, then came the disciples to Jesus apart. They waited till they could get him away from the crowd to, <laughs> to ask a silly question. Not really, but a question revealing their, their uh, faithlessness. Um, they got him apart and they said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it? <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a like a clause or continuation. Brother Elder Flowers is the, the uh, English grammar guy, so I'm not going to try to <laughs> define what part of speech that is, but he says, how be it? It's like, but, is kind of the way I see it. This kind, speaking of the spirit of, of that demon that he just cast out, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Amen. Why don't you say prayer and fasting? Prayer and fasting. I, when I read this and began to just meditate on it a few days ago and pray, I felt the Lord deal with me and in a, in a broader sense than simply, not simply, but in a broader sense than just demonic possession I believe that there are there's things that the Lord wants to deliver people from. He wants to deliver people from from doubt. He wants to deliver people from unbelief, from insecurity. He wants to he wants to set people free from a multitude of things that aren't all demonic related. Um but I believe that there's many things, this is the way it came to me, I believe that there's many things that we, we live with, that we're willing to live with in our personal lives and within the church, that we live with simply because we're not willing to pray and fast until, well, until what? Until they're gone, <laughs> until they get delivered, until they get removed. Because I, I think there's so much in these few verses that, that I really do believe that prayer and fasting is the answer for. For their, their unbelief the, and their faithlessness. He said, you faithless and perverse generation. I believe that the solution for faithlessness is prayer. The Bible says in the book of Jude to lift up your most holy faith. I think that's how it says it. Um, praying in the Spirit. Kind of a paraphrase, but it says something like that. So if, we, if we're low in faith, we need to be praying more. <laughs> if we're struggling with some things, we, we see some things that, and this shouldn't be, this shouldn't be in my life. This, this anxiety is not of God. This, this unbelief, this fear is not of God. We need to be praying and fasting until. And as, again, as, as the Lord dealt with me about this, 
some things came to my mind that growing up and, and even just in listening to old time Pentecost, as it's called um, by many, some, some older preachings and ministry from, from years ago, that was, that was a statement we would hear a lot, right? Pray until, pray until, or pray through. <laughs> we don't really hear that that much anymore for whatever reason, but I still believe it's true. <laughs> it's still the answer. And we, we really do and, and can overcomplicate things so much because of, because of just all the things that we have access to nowadays. We have access to prescriptions. We have access to so many things to numb us. And I'm not saying there's, there's necessarily anything wrong with those things. But if, if there are replacements for prayer, then there's something wrong with them. If, if, we, if we're taking prescriptions, but we're not praying, then there's something wrong. And I, again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. There's, there's health reasons that we take prescriptions. I don't think you need the, the disclaimer. But again, it's not a replacement for prayer, for much prayer and fasting. And I, I, just, have a, I just have a resolve in my spirit of, of okay, God, there's some things that I want to see happen there's some things that I want to see change, and I'm sure you're tired of it. I'm tired of complaining about it. I'm sure you're tired of hearing it, and so instead of me just continually complaining about it, instead of me continually talking to my brother about it, my sister, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray until about it. I remember, and this is, just, this is really a simple example, and when I was younger, I thought it was funny, too, but one of my teachers... Um, I think I was probably in, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade in Arkansas. I uh, went to a, our church school, and my, my teacher, she told the story of how, I think it was for a year, she had a, I think it was her sister was dealing with cancer or something, something like that. And she said she told the Lord that she was going to give up or essentially fast coffee for a year, or not a year, until. She said she was going to do it until the situation changed. And of course, doing that doesn't, that doesn't earn it or it doesn't change the mind of God because we do it. But it's saying, God, I'm putting more faith in you than my own desires. I'm putting more faith in you than spending time doing all these other things. I'm going to seek you until I see something, something happen. Um, and as I, as I was thinking about this, I, I, I can't help, when I, when I think about prayer, I can't help but think about Matthew chapter 6. If you want to turn there with me, we'll read just a couple verses. Matthew chapter 6 and start with start with verse number 5 it says and when thou prayest thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men verily I say unto you they have their reward Verse 6, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, or another translation says, which is in the secret place. Pray to your Father which is in the secret place, and your Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. You know, there's something about people that, that pray. And I'm not talking about praying just, Lord, you know, I'm going to sleep now. Pray you don't let me have any bad dreams. Pray you don't let me die in my sleep. All right, see you in the morning. <laughs> not saying don't do that. 
But if that's the only prayer we're doing, when we come up to a situation where, and this is not my focus, but where we come up to a situation where we need to have faith and we need to have authority to speak to something, we're going to go to that faith bank and it's going to be a little, uh, little empty. We're going to go to try to make a withdrawal. <laughs> and what we need, <laughs> we're going to have insufficient funds <laughs> if that's our kind of praying. But the kind of praying that we ought to be doing every day is a kind of praying that's in a secret place, a place that's, that we know this is my place of prayer. Every day, this is the spot. This is where I'm hitting my knees. This is where I'm fellowshipping with the Lord, right here. I have an appointment every day at this time and at this place. And it's a secret place. It's a place where the Lord reveals secrets to us. The mysteries of God are made known in a secret place. And he wants to, he wants to reveal himself to us. Um, as I was saying, I, I, I feel like there's just something about people who pray that's, that's just different. That so often you can just tell being around them, man, this... This person, this person prays. Um, some, some of my friends joke, they, they joke, but they're serious at the same time. They talk about my dad, and they're like, man, even just talking to him, it, his voice, it sounds like a praying voice. <laughs> and just talking to him, it makes me want to pray. I'm like, man, t- tell me about it. I understand. <laughs> I had to live with it for <laughs> 20 years. But I, I tell you, I would never trade waking up at 3 in the morning just probably because I had to go to the bathroom or something and hearing Dad down there praying. Amen. And I know, I know we don't all have that or probably all didn't have that. But man, you can be that. We can be that for our, our spouse for our kids, for those that visit. And that's, that's one thing I love. I've, I've had multiple friends uh, come stay at my parents' house or stay with me there when I was there. And, and my dad would tell me, he'd tell me, I tried to kind of keep it down this morning. You know, I didn't want to disturb you or, or your friend. And, and I told him, no, I, I, I want you to. And those, those same friends would tell me, Man, that was that was so cool. That was one of the coolest things about staying at your house is just hearing prayer happen. Um, I keep getting off track, <laughs> but when you talk about when you talk to people who pray, something stands out. And I, there's multiple reasons for that. One, the most obvious reason is because they've been spending time with Jesus. I think about Moses on the mountaintop. He was there in such a place of prayer and fasting for 40 days that he came down and the glory of God shined upon his face so brightly that they had to put a veil on it. (laughs) I, I, I believe it's in Hebrews where it talks about where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's the context that it's talking about of Abraham having that veil on him and the spirit of the Lord giving liberty to have understanding um, and so that's, that's just what I picture with people who spend time with God. And that's the reason we, we feel that difference because they've been in the presence of God. And another reason is, or another thing that makes them stand out is they've been in a secret place. And so there's a spiritual depth to people that have spent time in a secret place with the Lord. And the reverse is true as well. Those who haven't spent time in a secret place there's just something a little bit i hate to say it but a little bit shallow about them spiritually at least (laughs) because we don't we don't get a depth in the spirit within us without going to depths in the spirit in prayer with the Lord and fellowship and communion. 
And you know where we where we read in, in chapter seventeen speaking about faith. I had a note note here I wanted to read that just just came came to me in, in prayer. And it said this that faith and I th- I think sometimes our, our idea of faith is is wrong. Because I think we think if we have faith that we're never gonna have doubt. Or if we have faith we're never gonna have have fear or we're never gonna question things. But that's not necessarily the case. If if we have faith, it's it's believing regardless of the doubt that comes. It's believing in spite of the fear or the uncertainty that comes. And it's saying, you know what? I have faith. And even though this is what I'm feeling and it doesn't align with the faith, I'm going to go back to a place of prayer because I have faith in whatever situation it is I'm praying for. I have faith for whatever it is that I need deliverance for or that I want to see deliverance for in my friend or my neighbor. That thing that I'm praying for, every, all the circumstances might be telling me that it's not possible, that it's not true, that it's not going to happen. But faith says, in spite of all those things that I see, that I feel, that I hear, I'm going back to that place of prayer, going back to that place of fasting, and I'm doing it until. And I, I've, I've often wondered if... And this is the place that I want to get to. Being, being able to be pulled into a place of prayer as easily as distraction can pull me out of one. If, if, if only I could as easily be pulled into a place of prayer throughout my day, just be arrested with the burden of the Holy Ghost as easy as it is for me to just get distracted and quit praying. And this is something that I, I'm not speaking as, as one that has it all figured out. I want to, like I said, I want to get to that place where it's like just a, a complete sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. No matter what I'm doing, I can allow him to, quote, unquote, interrupt me and say, hey, I want you to pray about this. Hey, there's this thing that I need, I need an intercessor for. I need someone to stand in the gap for. Prayer and fasting. I'm not going to spend much time talking about fasting tonight and may I'll let let elder talk about that sometime (laughs) but we we cannot afford to let a day go by that we don't get into a secret place of prayer where we shut the door where we shut out distractions where we say okay god the door is closed that means that means nothing can come into my eyes nothing can come into my ears my senses i i had this thought the other day i believe it was the lord that gave it to me that all of our senses in the natural are doors to our mind and to our spirit and when we go into a secret place that's intended to be a secret place for prayer and communion and fellowship with God, it's not enough to just close the physical door, which is great and it's very helpful. I, I even do that at my own house and I live by myself. <laughs> I still close the bedroom door because there's something about it mentally that tells me, nope, the door is shut. Anything else outside of this room doesn't matter right now because I'm entering into a secret place. But that's not enough to close that door. I also have to decide I'm closing these doors. <laughs> closing these doors. I'm closing whatever other doors to my senses that would try to get into my mind, my thoughts, my spirit. 
Because if I allow things into my mind long enough, they'll get into my spirit. They'll affect, they'll affect the Lord being able to speak to me if those channels in my mind and in my spirit are constantly bombarded with the noise of this world, the noise of the things around us that we're dealing with. And there's more noise now than, than ever before. There's so many voices. And we need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear the voice of God. Because I believe for every spirit-filled believer, there's, there's coming a day where we're going to be faced with situations where it may be like this demon-possessed boy. He's oppressed. His spirit is vexed. He's being tormented. He's being thrown into the fire, being thrown into the water. And there's going to come a day where the Lord is going to call on us to deal with those type of situations. And if we're not spending time in a secret place where we're hearing his voice, we're not going to have the faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, by the rhema of God. I can't, I can't, and I, this is one of those things I've, I've really prayed a lot about. I feel like I cannot express the, the importance of things <laughs> enough, but I trust that you, you're hearing it with your spirit and know the, the significance, not only of, of the hour for, for the ministry that God would use you all in, but also just the significance of your own soul, of your own daily life. As, as Elder Flowers talked about just a few weeks ago, that daily bread. We wouldn't, we wouldn't think about just, some people do it. They just get working so much that they forget to eat for a whole day. But 99% of us wouldn't think about just forgetting to eat for a whole day. But spiritually, so often we do that. We go through our day just not ever being conscious of the Lord. Never having a consciousness about spending time with Him. Because that's, that's the main thing that it's all about. It's not just that He wants to use us. It's not just that He wants to have us speak a word of faith and bring deliverance. But it's, it's that He wants to know us. That He wants to know each of us in an intimate and personal way in a deep way again that only comes in a secret place where the door is closed and I, I'll finish with this I, I was thinking of this earlier because I hear this question a lot people ask you know how how many hours do you pray or how many hours should you pray Kind of hear that question, especially Bible school. A lot of people ask that. Um, and I had the thought of how, how weird of a question would that be to ask a husband, <laughs> how many hours a day do you talk to your wife? <laughs> you know, how many hours a day do you, do you fellowship with her? And it, it seems so weird, right, of a question to ask because it's like, what do you mean? I don't put a number. I don't put a limit on that. At least I hope you all don't. <laughs> I hope if you're married, men and women, <laughs> that you give as much time as you can to your spouse. I'm definitely not trying to talk about marriage up here. <laughs> but hey, if, if you need to hear it, <laughs> receive it. Amen. But how much more with the Lord? When was the last time that we got lost just talking to him? That we got lost in a deep place. A deep place of fellowship with him. 
where he just begins to reveal things to us, talk to us. It's only a place that we get to being alone, the door closed, where he knows, okay, yeah, it's just them and me. They're not worried about anything else except knowing me. This really, I've heard it said many times by, by men of God that spend much more time with the Lord than I do. And I've heard them say that the revelation of, of the end time is relationship. It's relationship with God. That's the most important revelation God wants us to get and wants us to have is that he wants a relationship with each of us. Man, can we just talk to him for a moment? Come on, why don't you close the door, and by closing your eyes here for a moment, can we just talk to him? Jesus, Father, I pray that this seed be planted in the minds and the hearts of every person here. Lord Jesus, for those who've never been to a place, a deep and secret place with you, I pray, Father, the hunger and the desire of relationship with you would be planted tonight in each of us, God. A desire, Lord, to know you, to know you more than anything to spend time with you, Jesus, simply to fellowship, simply to talk to you, Jesus, to learn the secret things of you, to learn the mysteries of God that you want to reveal to us, that you want to show us in a secret place, in a place of fellowship, in a place of communion. Father, I pray for the faith of every person in this room. I pray it would be stirred tonight, Jesus, that whatever situation that they're praying for, whatever situation, Jesus, that they're asking you about, that a new faith would be stirred in our hearts, that a new faith, Jesus, would be quickened within us, that we would pray until, that we would fast until, Jesus, that we would move beyond a place of contentment with living with things, Jesus, that we need deliverance from. Things around us that we need to see cast out. I pray, Father, a resolve in us. I pray a righteous indignation in us tonight, Jesus, to pray, to pray, to pray. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I appreciate that ministry from Brother Hart and what the Lord's doing. So many things that were said, I hope you heard and receive. I was remembering a time just shortly after we, oh, we would probably been married about three years, four years when we made our move over here, eh, more like five, six years living in Yakima, but not for a long time. I remember it was around the time that Callum was born, and he's 13 now. So there was a time I was working a job where, <laughs> where I was spending a lot of time in the car driving around, and no, it was not Uber. This was before Uber. This was uh, a second job I had delivering pizzas. And I was driving her a lot. And at this time, Bishop and Sister Schoonover still lived in their old house in Puyallup. And they had a library of tapes, ministry tapes. Anybody remember listening to preaching on tape? It's been a while, hasn't it? Now we go on the podcast and YouTube and all that, but... Back in the day, they were on tapes, and the car that I was driving had a tape player. So during one of our trips over there, I thought I'm going to take some of these tapes back with me. 
Now, I felt like I had gotten a few crash courses uh, while I was dating my wife, either through the just the phone calls and talks that we had on the phone or uh, just some trips and visits and things like that. But the Lord was still showing and, 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 and teaching me new things in ministry. And so I had gotten these tapes and I was listening to them. A lot of them were what they used to call meet meetings. This was something you've, you've heard Bishop Schoonover talk about going to Maryland in 1997. And uh, that was a meet meeting, manifest meeting. It had a few different names. But uh, Bishop Chester Wright was one of the one of the speakers that I heard on a lot of these tapes and he said something this was the first time that the uh, um, idea had been mentioned to me or that I'd heard the idea and I've heard him say it many times since then but uh, during just I'm just playing one of these tapes and I'm driving along and I'm listening and they're in a kind of a, a prayer session and and Bishop Wright was leading prayer and I remember hearing him say everybody shut your eyes close your closet doors and I thought that's an interesting way to put it and I've heard him say it many times since then these are your closet doors I think that is primarily when we're in a public place like this right it's a thousand times easier to focus on the Lord when these eyes are shut than when they're open. When they're open, well, right now, just alone right now, I got about 30 different possible distractions of faces looking at me. And I could think about that one or this one or that one and what's going on over here and over there. And I can't get alone with the Lord while I've got all those different distractions looking at me. But as soon as I do this, it's like you might as well not be there to an extent because I'm in my closet, in my private place, my secret place with the Lord. But before Brother Hart even mentioned this, I thought if I could take that a step further, what I'd like to do is close these doors and these doors. Now I can definitely focus even more because if if my especially in a room a public room a church service or whatever something like this where you're not the only one even with the eyes closed you still hear what the the brother or the sister across the room is doing or praying or singing or talking or whatever we hear these things and and i i think that's so adequately described by by brother hart every sense physical sense that I have is an an open door unless I intentionally intentionally shut it they have these things they call them sensory deprivation tanks have you ever heard of that before has anybody here ever actually been in one uh, truly in a tank now I I haven't and I am no expert on this but I was just trying to learn a little bit and uh, because I was thinking, okay, now if I even get my eyes shut and my ears closed, I still got three other senses. You know what the, sen the, phys the five senses are? Touch, taste, smell, sight, and sound. So I can get the sight out and the sound out by these, but I still got touch and taste and smell. <laughs> if you're trying to do early morning prayer and your wife gets up and cooks bacon, ooh, that sense is still working. That's an open door right there. <laughs> the, the, I, the, the purpose of the sensory deprivation tank and the way they actually work, because I was thinking about it, okay, even if, if I got the sight and the sound taken care of, my, my mind next went to touch, and I thought, how can I make sure I'm not going to touch something that distracts me? How, how can I make sure I'm not going to taste something or smell something that distracts me? So I even started thinking about it. How do those tanks work? Well, I, I noticed one thing they do. They actually commonly refer to them as flotation tanks. So you get inside this little tank, and it's filled about halfway with water. And so you're, you're, true, you're floating. 
It's almost like you're taking out the gravitational sensation of touch. You've, if you've been in a, a bathtub or a swimming pool and you just, you know, try to float on the top of the water, you know, unless you're actually paying attention, you don't know if you're on the top or the middle or the bottom. It all feels about the same. So you take out those, that, that sense and then the, and, and the, the other senses. The, the, the world, the, 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 I guess you could call it medical, uh, there's a medical aspect to it. But really what, it tri- what the world would use it for, the, the, the physical use is to promote relaxation, tranquility, or to relieve anxiety of some kind. If, if a person really is dealing with anxiety or a high-stress situation, oftentimes that's when they would institute something like a tank like this. I got to, oh, this is helping me calm down. This is helping me de-stress. This is helping me relax. This is helping me whatever. And that's why they would use them in, in, in the world. I'm thinking about this from a spiritual sense, though. There, I, I'm, I'm trying to go quickly, understand. I don't want to keep you here long tonight. But I have to mention this while we're on the subject. Relax. Everybody say relax. Relaxing is, if you, if you think about it, one of the least spiritual activities you can do. If you're actually relaxing, I'm not talking about resting. There's a difference. The Bible talks about rest and that it's good for us. And he has a place of rest for us. I'm talking about if my goal is to relax, I want to do nothing. I want to have no thought. I want to have no feeling. I want to have no responsibility, no connection to anything, I just want to relax. It's a dangerous place for a Christian. I would dare say a dangerous place for a Christian to visit, much less live there. Uh, the Lord will give you peace and rest, all that you need and then some, but that is not relaxation. The Bible says the, those that have entered into rest have entered into his rest. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. That means I've got to work. That's like the opposite of rest. That's like the opposite of relaxing. Working? I'm trying to not work. But no, the spiritual sense is you have to intentionally get to the place of spiritual rest that the Lord wants you to have. You're not going to find it by accident. And then it says, those that have entered into that rest have ceased from their labors as the Lord ceased from His labors on the seventh day in creation. When I enter the place of rest that the Lord has for me, I, I'm not saying goodbye to my responsibilities. I'm not saying, well, I don't have to worry about anything else. No, I'm saying I am in the exact right posture that the Lord wants me to be in because this is His posture. So I, I, I don't use my closet, I don't use my place of prayer as a place of relaxation. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like somebody's praying wrong, but I want to make sure we're praying right. Praying right. I, I, I remember, I, I know I did this in at least one of the places I lived as a early teenager, probably 14, 15 years old, <laughs> I tried to get literal, and I went in my closet where the clothes were, 
And I shut that door, and it was dark, and it was cushy because of the clothes, carpet on the floor. I thought, this is weird. <laughs> I thought, is this really what the Lord wants me to do? I mean, I'm willing to do it if it's what I'm supposed to do. But then as I got older and got more understanding, I realized, like Brother Hart said, I can do this outside the closet in the bedroom with the door shut as long as the, the distractions aren't there. And then I realized I can do this over in the living room as long as the distractions aren't there. Then I realized I can pretty much do this in any room of the house as long as the distractions aren't there. Then I realized I can do this while I'm out here mowing the yard as long as the distractions aren't there. And I realized I can do this while I'm riding in the car. I can do this anywhere as long as the distractions are not there. What makes it a secret place? Nobody else knows. Nobody else has access to the secret place. That's what a secret is, right? But if everybody can get a hold of me easily at any time, I don't have the secret place. This is the value. This is the importance of getting alone with God. And the Father sees in secret. He's there just like He's here. I want to just read one more scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, I believe is the verse. I better look it up to be sure. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is a popular scripture, and I just want to show you a few pieces of it. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear... Fear there is timidity or cowardice, that kind of fear. God did not make you or me a coward. He did not create us to be timid. But of power and love and a sound mind, the spirit of power and of love. and of, The scripture says God is spirit. Now hear me, please. This is, a, this is important, what I'm about to say. When the scripture talks about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians, the self-same Spirit, that's the, the term that the, is used there, to another the gift of this by the same Spirit, and by the same Spirit to another this gift. There's one Spirit. Everybody say there's one Spirit. So when the scripture says he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, that's not three different spirits. Okay? Now when we step outside of God and we talk about the other kinds of spirits, we can get into multiplicities, including the spirit of fear. All right? But God is... A spirit, scripture says God is spirit, or you could even say God is the spirit. So any aspect of his spirit is him. You're not going to get one of these aspects without the other if you really have his spirit. I mention this because I think a lot of times, and I, I, I'm probably guilty of this myself, even as a child, and we talked a little bit about this on Sunday, about fear. Remember that and turn your fear into praise? I'm probably guilty of thinking, well, let me, I can't have fear if I have, and then choose one of these things. And I probably, in my own mind, I said, well, no, I can't have fear if I have a sound mind, so let me get the sound mind. Uh, that's all right. That's good. That's not bad. 
but that's not the completion of this scripture. And sound mind is not even what I think of it when I hear sound mind. It means literally self-control. Discipline and self-control. Does that sound anything like what we've been talking about lately? Self, everybody say self-control. The other, another term for that I mentioned is temperance. Self-control. Ah, I have to have control of this mind in order for it to be a sound mind. If I don't have control of this mind, I, I can't trust it. I can't follow it. I can't use it. He's given me this. It's part of the spirit. It, yeah, over there, it's a fruit of the spirit, temperance. Here, it's given by the spirit, the spirit of a sound mind. I'm not a psychologist. I took one psychology class in college. Read this book about a mouse and cheese, and that's about all I remember of that whole class. Now, I say that because I try to be a student of the Word of God, and I'm tasked with the responsibility of an elder and a preacher. So what I say to you, don't try to turn it into psychology, and don't think that I'm trying to speak as a, psych as a psychologist. All right? It's kind of like what I've said before. I'm not a marriage counselor either. I can tell you what the Bible says about marriage. I can tell you what the Bible says about our minds. I'm just going to mention this term, and then I'm going to task you with taking it to the Lord and seeing what he does with it to you. The term is mental health. Amen? You see what the Lord shows you about that. I see it here as a part of the Spirit of God and the gift that He would give me with His Spirit. I can't operate it exclusively like, well, I don't have power, I don't have love, but at least I've got a sound mind. No. No more than, I don't have a sound mind, but at least I've got love. Oh, that sounds dangerous. I don't have love or a sound mind, but at least I've got power. That sounds dangerous. But why is it okay? I don't have power, I don't have love, but at least I've got a sound mind. No, you don't. you got something that's not the Holy Ghost. They're going to operate together because they're of His Spirit. Power here means supernatural ability to do what you can't do on your own. Has nothing to do with strength. Has nothing to do with volume. Has nothing to do with praying loud or praying strong. It's the supernatural ability to do what you can't do on your own. Love here is agape. Agape love, the love of God. The other scripture says God is love. God is spirit, God is love. He's both, and he's all of these things. And then the sound mind, the self-discipline and self-control is the only part of self that's anywhere in here. But I don't want self-discipline without the Holy Ghost. If He's given me the gift of self-discipline, then it's Him disciplining me and then me exercising it. It's not me deciding, well, I'll, I'll do this and not do this, and I'll try this and not try this. I'm going to... Mm -mm. uh -uh. We get very dangerously close to the idea of self-righteousness when we talk about self-discipline. They're not the same thing even though they sound alike, but I could e if I'm not careful, I could easily jump from self-discipline to self-righteous. 
I am right because I follow the rules I set for myself. That doesn't sound right at all. But that's the jump from self-discipline to self-righteous. The only righteousness that counts is God's righteousness. And He makes us right through the work of His Spirit. But He makes us right and then tells us, stay right. Be right. Be holy. As I am holy. As I've made you holy, be holy. That's the only element of self in here. Let's stand. I'm getting ready to close. Thank you again, Brother Hart, for ministering to us. Would you just pray there where you are? Father, I want to be right with you. I want to be whole, Jesus. I want to have this sound mind. I want to have this power and this love, God. All of it that comes from your spirit. Lord, I want it all operating in my life. God, I want this balance. I want this balance, God, of your spirit helping me, teaching me, shaping me, Father, and leading me, including in my areas of prayer, Lord Jesus. God, I, I'm not just trying to bring you my own words and call that prayer, Lord, but I want it to be the balance, the healthy, right balance of your Spirit leading me in prayer, praying through me, God, listening to the words, listening to the prayers, hearing the prayers that are made, God, that go up before you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, I pray. Accomplish this work by your Spirit, I pray. God, I know you listen. I know you listen, Lord, when these men and these women pray. God, you are there. Your ear hears every word that is said. God, you feel it with your spirit. Everything that is said, every thought, God, every emotion, Jesus, every desire, Lord, that is expressed in these places of prayer. I pray it in the name of Jesus, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray it, O oh God. Yes, Father, flow out of us in these places of prayer. Jesus, let your word flow out of us. Let your spirit, let your wisdom flow out of us in these places of prayer. In the name of Jesus, let your power, your supernatural ability work in us. God, let your love work in us, I pray. Let godly self-discipline work in us, I pray. Jesus, we stand yielded before you. We can do nothing of ourselves, Lord. Let your spirit work in us, I pray. Let your spirit work in us, I pray. Yes, God, would you just, come on, put your mind on the Lord for a second. I believe he wants to minister right now. I believe he wants to minister to our minds and to our spirits. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, you are truth. You are love. God, all power is in you. All righteousness comes from you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, it's you that makes us right. Lord, you're the creator of each person. Lord, you know exactly how we function because we are your design, Lord. We are your creation. Jesus, you're the maker of us. And you know us, oh God. You know the makeup of every person here, Lord Jesus. How it's designed to work. Lord, I pray let that wholeness come to your people. God, let that wholeness be operative in us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, express it in faith just a little bit here. 
Express it in faith here. God, I am a creature of intelligent design. That means you made every part of me, Lord Jesus. The emotions, God. The thoughts, Lord Jesus. All that these senses were created to take in, O oh God. They were designed by you. Lord, I pray, use them for your glory. Use them for your purpose. In the name of Jesus, I pray it. Use it for your purpose, I pray, O oh God. I speak wholeness right now in Jesus' name. I speak healing right now in Jesus' name. God, let it flow from your spirit. Let it flow from you, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 amen, amen. When you believe that the, the scripture is right that says in him was life, well, that, takes, that should take a load, uh, load off of your shoulders. Because now the question's not up to me. It's up to him. The life. The life. Everybody say the life. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. I love you. Greet one another in Jesus' name.